Welcome to the closed session, how to get paid in Silicon Valley, with your host, Tom Chavez and Vivek Vidya. Hello and welcome to the closed session. My name is Tom Chavez and over here I got my hetero life mate with me, Vivek Vedia. Say hi, V. Hey, this is Vivek Vedia, and I'm here with Tom. Welcome to the closed session. In this inaugural podcast, we want to introduce you to who we are, what this podcast is about, why we've titled it The Closed Session, How to Get Paid in Silicon Valley. So consider this podcast about the podcast, a meta-podcast, if you like. We want to take up topics about company building with specific focus on tech entrepreneurship and innovation, since that's what, that's what we know. And we're going to do it from the perspective of the entrepreneur, the employees who are actually building the company day to day. But Vivek and I have been at this for uh, about 20 years now, which means that we're pretty old, uh, but that we've also learned some things and we want to we wanna share what we've learned and, and make it useful to, uh, to people who are coming to Silicon Valley and, and hanging a shingle out with a dream to start a company from scratch. So uh, as we talk about all of the things that are, are interesting to us, and that's going to be sort of the, the general focus of this thing, is just topics that we find interesting. We want to yank back the covers and, you know, give other people who are mystified by what these investors and venture capitalists and market watchers and pundits all the hangers-on who, who also participate in the whole game, you know, what, what they want, what's the bad, the ugly, traps and ditches to steer clear of, shenanigans that people play, uh, large companies who want to screw you, medium-sized companies who want to screw you, lawyers, unsavory characters, all of them complicating your life. So that's, uh, that's the thrust of the podcast, and, and with that, we should probably introduce ourselves here quickly and we want to just go back a little bit here, V. So I'm going to tee you up. Besides your training in engineering and company building, take us back a little bit. My understanding is that you were born a poor white child in rural Alabama. Tell me if I'm getting this right. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting your heart, yeah. Okay. And that when you were eight or something like that, you heard some Bollywood music. And you said, oh, my God, this is my jam. These are my people. It was six, actually. You were six. Oh, six, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you heard some Bollywood music, and you said, this is my jam. These are my people. Mm-hmm. You moved to Delhi mm-hmm. and became an Indian person. Yeah, actually, my parents found me on a vegetable cart, and uh, they adopted me. Yeah, They're it's, good people. Uh, they're very good people. They're God very, very them. good people, uh, yeah. actually. Yeah, so I spent, uh, I spent 22 years of my life in India. I uh, went to the uh, Indian Institute of Technology, Delhi. They were kind enough to accept me. And then I moved here uh, in 1996, um, went to grad school, uh, and then started working at uh, startups. And most recently, we, Tom and I, worked together at uh, this company called Crux that we, uh, that we sold Salesforce. And uh, yeah, my, I, was, I was the CTO of the Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and uh, I left Salesforce uh, six, seven months ago, and here we are. Brilliant. Well, my turn. So I am born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, one of five kids. Neither of my parents went to college. And so uh, it was a big thing for our family to get to college, which is what my brothers and sisters all did. I studied computer science and then a bunch of applied math. So I'm I'm an engineer by training and disposition. I worked at Sun Microsystems way back in 95. I think that's when I started my job there. This was the height of the prior boom. Sun had a, uh, an advertising thing that they did where they presented themselves as the dot in the dot com, which sounds silly now when you talk about it today. But, but I was there at Sun, learned some things, hung a shingle out, started a company called Wrapped, where you were 
the very first person who showed up. That's right. Uh, I still remember that on the lawn of that kooky place in Potrero Hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had an interview on the lawn, and, and then you were hired. We built, wrapped. Uh, that became part of Microsoft in late 2007. And then we went, uh, did, did some time at Microsoft, went to the kitchen table, started Crux, and uh, here we are today. Yeah, I think just to uh, just to kind of close out my story, like I I'm the only person from my immediate family, uh, in fact, even my uh, somewhat extended family in the U.S. Um, you know, first uh, first one to cross the borders and and come to the U.S. I'm a proud immigrant, uh, and I'm proud to say that. Immigrants, uh, even though they make up 13% of the population, they have an outsized influence in entrepreneurship and, uh, and business formation. And you know, like, any, like any proud immigrant, I, I and I think Tom too, we both have uh, a chip on our shoulders. And uh, you know, we're, again, very proud of the fact that uh, immigrants accounted for 28.5% of all entrepreneurs in the U.S. in 2014. And that was up by, by almost 10% from 13% in 1996. That's right. So you're a newcomer. I'm... I'm second generation, but uh, but yeah, we're we're both looking at this from an immigrant's perspective, and that's maybe going to be a theme that we take up as we go, uh, because as you say, it does require some hunger, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, a point to prove. Uh, it's it's also useful just to observe that 51 percent of U.S. billion dollar startups were founded by immigrants, so we're we're lucky to be sort of continuing in on that that broad, uh, inspiring we think inspiring tradition. So, mm-hmm. so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, when you do one of these podcasts, especially in Silicon Valley, they get a little too precious and a little too officious, right? We don't want to be those guys. Uh, and you know, it's been interesting, I think probably for both of us, right. Is being in San Francisco, as long as we have, it's always been a prospector's city. So you got a lot of entrepreneurs who are coming here, they're looking to connect to a company. They want to get lucky, score, and then say, holy shit, look at how much money I made. I must, I must be a genius, right? It's funny to see all of the people walking around San Francisco now with, with dollar signs in their eyes. And that's just kind of exploded in the last uh, 10 years or so. You know? I remember when I first moved here in uh, 1998, yeah, there were, a lot of, uh, there were a lot of startups around and everybody was... was as as you can expect, uh, revelling in in this in the Silicon Valley Silicon Valley tech fever and whatnot, but geez, now it's just it's just exploded. Yep. Um, yep. You know, Facebook, Google have given rise to a whole new generation of of people who who are coming into Silicon Valley. And look, not all of them are are pesky, and a lot of them mean well. But I guess what what is unclear to me is is if any of those folks who are peacocking around San Francisco these days actually know or care a lot about the craft of company building. And that's one of the things that we also want to take up in this, in this podcast is, is just the craft of it. We think it's something that you can learn, that you can get better at over time. Um, but whatever we do here, listen to Kendrick, be humble. Don't mistake your bank account for your IQ. If you've done something once and gotten lucky, be grateful and psyched, but you know, don't, Imagine that you know more than you. That's right. That's right. Kind of reminds me of all you know. We and we've crossed paths with some of them. All these salespeople used to work at Oracle back in the day, and you know, just because lots of people were buying Oracle software, they were considered really good, really good, really accomplished salespeople, and that turned out not to be the case. That's right. 
So look, we've done it twice and we still have a lot to learn and a lot of mistakes to make. Uh, but I think it's also safe to say that there's a world of difference between having one company under your belt versus two, right? Once maybe you're lucky or just too dumb to quit twice. Hmm, I think it's a little different. So, so we want to talk about the lessons we've learned at wrapped and maybe just to kind of drill in for a quick minute. We don't want to, it's, it's a long saga. We don't have to get into all the, all the painful elements, but V kind of give us a quick view of, of what happened at uh, wrapped. Yeah. So I joined, as Tom said, I was the first engineer, uh, to Tom hired at, at wrapped. Uh, and, uh, we we started the company with uh, this focus on what what at least I I thought of as supply chain uh, optimization. I like Tom. I also studied math and computer science in in college. So the idea of of a company that was applying math to solve business problems was very appealing to me. And so uh, Sun Microsystems was our first customer, and we helped them uh, figure out how to do their planning for components because they manufactured these servers and the demand for these servers was uncertain and they had uh, components like memory chips and and, uh, processors and disk drives that were shared across all these servers and uh, they they needed to place orders for these components that had long lead times, 13 weeks or so. And in a, in a world where demand for service is uncertain, how do you set an order right now that will be delivered 13 weeks from today? Uh, so that you can meet the demand that you'll get 13 weeks from now. So I guess in today's context, that would be positioned as a data science, machine learning, AI company. And, uh, you know, but but that's what we were doing. And in 2001, when the bubble burst, people stopped buying our software. We had, uh, we you know, along the way, we, between when I started and, and 2001, when the bubble burst, We'd also developed the analog, which was not the supply side, but the pricing side software as well. So in HP, Sun, Apple, Seagate, these were our customers, and they stopped spending money on software. And the whole, so, the yeah. The vertical just imploded. It just imploded. And Yahoo came to us, funnily enough. I don't know exactly how that happened, but they came to us and said, you know what, we have a pricing problem as well. We don't know how to price our ads that we sell to all these uh, that that run on yahoo.com. Can you help us with that? And we said, sure, Uh, of course we can help you with that. And so with a little bit of tweakage to our our software, we we actually really could help them. And turned out that uh, Yahoo became our first customer and then MSN followed and AOL followed and New York Times followed and we ended up building a whole monetization suite including pricing, inventory management and analytics for display advertising and online media. And uh, yeah, that's what that was what? Uh, the end of 2007 or so we yep. were doing that when that's Microsoft right. came calling? That's right. Yeah, quite a journey, right? So it's funny because as I look at, at uh, the broad sort of history of things, if you're a math guy and you want to get into business... 90% of the time you end up in pricing, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the perfect math problem mm-hmm. that, that's relevant to business. There was this Business Insider article that was written a while ago about the top 10 greatest pivots. And, oh, that's right. And we were proud to see wrapped. <laughs> uh, it's funny, we'll talk about Crux here in a minute. And at Crux, and every company, when, they don't, when people outside don't know what's really going on and there's an evolution of the company, in Silicon Valley especially, everybody says, oh, they pivoted. That the other night I was talking to somebody who says, oh, I see that you did a hard pivot at Crux. And I just barely suppressed the urge to say, no, 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 no. That was the plan. You want to talk about a pivot, let's talk about Wrapped. Because exactly. that, that was a complete 
migration to a whole new land, a whole new set of customers. Just a, now the core, as you pointed out, kind of stayed the same. But, uh, oh, my God, that company took a lot out of us, didn't it? I, yeah, I still remember uh, we, were, we were struggling with this idea that, that uh, we didn't know anything about uh, online media display advertising. <laughs> and one of our friends and colleagues, he came up to Tom and said, Tom, we need to hire somebody who's going to, uh, be, who's going to be this expert. And Tom very, you know, very calmly said, no, nah, I think you're going to be the expert. So we, we learned all of it ourselves. Yet another theme for us that we'll, I'm sure we'll be taking up in a future podcast. Uh, don't give other people more credit than they deserve. Everyone's learning, right? Mm-hmm. And it's too easy to mythologize people who put themselves on pedestals and they pretend to know more than they actually do. Uh, and building on what you said, and let's transition to Crux, yeah. right? Crux was a new kind of company. I remember at the beginning, on the heels of Wrapped, somebody coming to me and saying, listen, it's adorable that you want to do this SaaS company, but you're an enterprise package software guy. SaaS is completely different. There's no way that you can you can go off and do this this SaaS thing. Wait, wait, it gets better. <laughs> when we were doing at the end of it all, right? Crux became known as a digital marketing mm-hmm. data management solution. It just it still makes me chuckle. Uh, because when we were there, and of course, we really didn't know anything about marketing per se. And now we wrote the book. Mm, yeah, we did. <laughs> Literally. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those funny things in technology. And that's what we what we love about it is that you're moving into these new unconquered spaces. Many times you're doing things in a place where people think that they've got it all figured out. And then there's this whole new lens, a whole new conception, a whole new set of technologies you can bring to bear to change the game. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to, you know, long Tom's points of we're always learning. What we're doing now, we're building soup. We're building a new idea, actually. I won't even call it a company. It's a new idea called Superset, which I guess uh, in to fix ideas, it's just it's a venture studio where we found, fund, and build uh, tech companies. And we'll get into more of what that's all about uh, later. Is uh, but the. We've we've been working together for twenty years, and you and we've done two companies. We've seen a lot of ups and downs. What we've both realized about about uh, as we've gone about in doing uh, doing that is that company building is just fun. It's uh, it's gratifying. It's challenging. It's frustrating, but it's just a lot of a uh, lot of fun. And we just want to do more of it with people we like, people who are as passionate about company building as we are. And so we don't want to just do it with one company. We're doing it with multiple, and that's what uh, Superset's all about. And we'll come back and talk uh, more about it uh, later. Absolutely. V, I think it's time to take an advertising break. Let's do that then. Uh, so uh, this is uh, an unpaid promotion of our completely not official sponsor, Taco Bell. Vivek, I know we love Taco Bell. We're, we're both we both we're love huge, Taco huge, Bell. Huge, huge fans of Taco Bell. Talk to me about what you love about Taco Bell. I just, you know, I, I like so I like the gorditas, I like the chalupas, mm. but the, the just like my mama used to make. The first time I went to Taco Bell, you know, I, growing up in India, uh, I used to have pizza, but when I went to Taco Bell the first time in Denver in 1996, I saw this thing called a Mexican pizza, mm. and I'm just a huge fan of the Mexican pizza. What can I tell you? But you, you mentioned the gordita. And, you know, when you go to Taco Bell and you see things like the cheesy gordita, the quesarito, the coco loco taco, 
the Dorito taco now, the Cool Ranch Co- Coco Loco taco. You're an innovator, right? That's you're right. You're an inventor. And it frustrates me that you couldn't come up with those ideas. I know, I know. I Why know. is that? Yeah, as you said, you know, just like when I was six years old and living in Alabama, I became a fan of Bollywood. I also became a fan of Indian food. Mm. And so, you know, uh, I just, I, I could not think of these, these clever, because Indian food is like, you know, simple. Mm-hmm. It's simple. There is no room for creativity like yeah. the Coco Loco Dorito Taco. Yeah, right. You know, that just sounds wrong. Well, and, and, you know, you want to celebrate the new stuff, but you also have, have to have a moment of silence for the old school, right? So for you, Crunchy Basic versus the Chicken Soft Taco, where do you, where do you go? Crunchy Basic. Crunchy Basic. That's right. Mild or hot and fire sauce? No mild stuff for me. Yeah, good. Hot and fire. Yeah, don't lose yeah. out on me. That's right. Over the hot That's and fire. Right. That's right. Brilliant. Really great. Okay, it's time to, uh, that concludes our unpaid advertising promotion we want to talk now about the topics and focus of the podcast uh and let's start with why we've titled it the closed session the closed session uh when you're running a company is you have a board meeting and then you have a general management presentation where people on on the senior team present the progress of their functions sales services marketing whatever the closed session is when investors and vcs sit with founders and they have clinical sometimes sort of punishing conversations about what's really going on and not the glossy stuff that's put out in press releases or written about in, in fawning journalism. It's about, you know, who's about to get fired, what's wrong, how bad could it get, what are the non-negotiables uh, in terms of getting the company back on track. Can you imagine the what it's like to be in the closed session yeah. at Facebook right I'd now? I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that session right now. A fly on the wall, not participating, but just listening to what what's being said. Yep. Yeah. Terrible. So that's what we're trying to do here is we're going to invite our listeners behind the velvet rope into the closed session where the deep, no joking, this shit is real stuff really goes on. And we want to demystify it because I think another thing that's inspiring to us in terms of this podcast is just there's too much cloak and dagger, right? I think it's funny to sometimes people start making up stories and narratives about what's really going on. Sometimes... They hit it, but more often than not, they're totally wrong. Right? Yeah, and I think the the other thing is also just it's an information game, right? And uh, and so when you're when you're sitting when you're sitting in one of the, in these closed sessions, uh, and I've learned from Tom, and I've learned along the way uh, about all the terms people throw around and the implications of option A versus option B versus option C. Yep. And people just uh, are out there, um, some or more often than not, uh, trying to take advantage of you. That's right. So that's right. So yeah, man. Speaking, you know, when we talk about wrapped, I remember just being a puppy in those first board meetings, and uh, well, this will be this should be another podcast. The time I'm sitting in a board meeting, being discussed in the third person, while the rest of the board talks about how wonderful and smart and fabulous my successor is going to be. <laughs> when you're sitting in a closed session and people, your investors are talking about you in the third person. Let me tell you that that's the bottom. <laughs> it possibly gets no worse than that. So, so there's a lot to learn. And by the way, I had a lot to learn at that time. I'm grateful I was given the opportunity to do that. Um, but it also strikes me that it didn't have to be quite so dark, right? So, so let's let's figure out how to provide insights and and tools and frameworks that that allow our listeners to play the game because yeah. it's it's an awesome game. It's worth playing. 
Should we talk about what the podcast won't be? Yeah, let's talk about what the podcast is not going to be. It, we're not going to do rags to riches stories. We're not going to do victory laps and hero bullshit. Just we're not going to do that. And it's also not going to be how, about how Elon Musk is eating glass, the ADRs, 140 hours a week bullshit that, that you may have heard. Remember we had that guy once who told us that he was working right. 165 hours per week, <laughs> right? That's, that's right. fascinating because, that, yeah. in fact, there aren't 168 hours in a week. The fascinating thing was he was doing most of it from home. So <laughs> Weird how that works. Yeah, it, do, it is weird. And we'll, we'll also try to tamp down the the shakedowns and, and stories about teams and people and, and, and all of that, even if they're true, we'll try to uh, color them um, in a good way as much as, uh, as much as possible. Yep. We reserve the right, let's reserve the right, V, to just totally geek out now and again. Um, we'll try to keep those posts to a minimum, but if we do them, we'll preface them with, hey, my name is Tom, and here's Vivek, and, and here comes the geekery. Uh, but those won't be the balance of what we're trying to do. Over That's here. right. That's right. And some sample topics we're going to take up. Uh, and this is, this is, I think, one of Tom's uh, favorites based on what he just uh, said uh, two minutes ago. You're about to get fired. What do you do? To sell or not to sell? <laughs> we used to have, uh, Tom and I used to have these uh, conversations at Crux. Uh, up until the very end, actually, uh, is is it a sell it day or keep it day? That's right. We, we decided we were going to count. We're going to start... We're good applied mathematicians. Every single day, I'd see you, you'd see me, and we would just ask quickly, is it a sell-it day or is it a keep-it day? We tally the sell-its and the keep-its. And then that's, yeah. <laughs> and then kind of get a sense of our own sentiment as to whether or not we were going to belong to somebody else. That's right. And, you know, the, the, it's, it's important for, for you as founders to, to have that kind of uh, understanding because once you grow the company and you have a lot of people – Everybody is trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? And are we going to sell? What are we going to do? What's going to happen? Are we going to get acquired? What, all, all that good stuff. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, work-life balance. Uh, you know, both of us, I think, uh, have uh, learned that uh, just working, 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 working all the time is not good. A healthy balance does need to be maintained. And we're going to talk about what strategies that have worked for us, uh, how to have a board meeting, and uh, again, this is something that uh, Tom's also passionate about, how to deal with pesky VCs this, with their silver tongues and who are out to get you. Uh, Not we, always, but sometimes they, they don't have your interests necessarily in mind. That's right. That's, that's right. We'll talk about technology trends. Uh, we'll talk about operational and people habits that work. People management is, uh, is a large, large, large component of, of company building. And, uh, how to pick your co-founder. That's right. I plainly screwed that one up. You did. You did. Badly. You did. You did. Next time I'm going to get it right. That's right. That's right. Cap uh, tables, common equity, preferred equity. What's a liquidation preference? Starting from scratch, hiring, firing, uh, how to build a kick-ass product, uh, extinction level events as we like to call them. Mm -hmm. How do you think about all the ways to die? Sometimes, you know, especially around here, everybody loves to just celebrate the success stories and you know, it's a weird thing, right, when you're an entrepreneur because you have to be optimistic. You have to believe that you're, you're, you can win. But it's also funny for me to see so many people who never really think adequately yeah. about all the ways you can die. Yeah, and I think we, 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 we did this exercise once, and once, maybe twice we did it, where we enrolled the whole company in this exercise of, of, of coming up with what would be extinction-level events uh, uh, for the company. 
And I think once you, if you are, what we learn from the process is if you're open-eyed and transparent about your internal thought process and how vulnerable you are, the, the team kind of just takes that on and actually does a very good job of putting together a thoughtful and, and organized uh, set of recommendations, ideas, plans for, uh, for extinction-level events. Yeah. Well, look, I think that uh, that pretty much does it for this meta podcast, as you called it. Uh, I'm glad that we... This wasn't that bad, right? Well, this, no, this no I fun. think it was... It was easier than I thought it would be. Well, and it's only going to get better, easier, cooler. So uh, hopefully this has been useful, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one.